0: The Many
1: Things Podcast. Uh, Welcome to the Many Things Podcast. We're joined by the uh, double masters graduated Officer Hawks. Hello. (laughs) How
0: are we doing? I'm good. I kind of feel like I'm in a job interview at the moment because you're sat behind your desk drinking drinking or whatever. What are you drinking?
1: I am drinking a chamomile tea. I think it was you that got me into herbal teas, actually.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, that's a good choice. But at the end of the, like, you're probably going to be quite tired. You know, you're going to be relaxed and uh, not really podcast worthy. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Tell you what. Speaking of uh, feeling relaxed, I
1: have this new app on my phone. It's called Endel, and it's one of those relaxing meditation apps. But it uses uh, it uses neuroscience. To create these frequencies, so it has a relaxed, a focused a sleep. So it gives you these different sounds that's like connected through science to help your brain sleep or get whatever frame of mind that you determine. But it also you link it up with your Apple Health, and it it matches the beat to your heart rate. So the beat is like boom, boom, boom like the casual beat in the
0: background. That's so cool. That's so cool. Mate, you've yeah. got to join the you've got to join the smartwatch brigade. It, how? What do you think about them? Do you know what
1: I think about them? I think are they effective in terms of do they actually make you want to do more exercise?
0: Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, because, I mean, first of all, it's the uh, the guilt you feel by spending so much money. It just adds to that guilt. Of like now, if I don't change my life, then I'm uh, <laughs> in mean, even even more of a loser how much is um, yours um, you get a little reminder i think i paid like 350 for mine three jesus i mean you could have bought a pit bike or something mm, a nah, pit Which? bike's more like 800 plus like you know people spend i mean this is the thing is like people that get into like watches you know like i mean like my brother was showing me the other day this watch he was like oh my god i want this so much but well, i'll be successful when i get this watch and yeah, it's just like it- a regular analog watch for eight grand, and I'm just like, I'm very happy, just like was you it, know, was it a Breitling? Spending... Wasn't a Breitling? it was a um Brightling. It was, it was a Brettling. Nice
1: mm-hmm. <sighs> well mate, Achille's Akil's the, Akil's the same. Akhil loves watches to a degree that I just don't understand. Like mm. how do you justify 10000 pounds on a watch?
0: And I like, <sighs> I don't, I, don't I don't know, know. I, I don't want to I don't want to alienate watch wearers that buy like expensive watches but like it's can or, you be so into watches that you buy an eight thousand pound watch just for yourself or is it more about other people's perception of you um you know that would be I mean maybe maybe people do maybe like maybe people love it maybe people love you know it's cool I mean you know, a long time ago, you got like professional watch tinkerers. You know, when your watch went wrong, they were incredibly, you know, watch tinkerers. You take your watch to do think, and they'd fix it. Yeah, There's that's... a real art in that. Um, and I think that I... is still going on. But do you, well, you know, are you that yeah. into it?
1: Well, you know, the, the Rolexes, they don't have batteries, they are just clockwork. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, yeah. So th- there is some serious engineering that goes into these watches. But no, I do agree spec like if it's a, a bretling that's maybe a bit different but especially something like a rolex what that really is is you know how i remember in school you used to get the name badges mm. it's like a little name
0: badge saying oh, i've got a bit of money i'm a, I'm a little bit rich over here look at me you know yeah exactly and, and like for some people that's important fair enough uh fair enough for for them, the actually one of the things that I do see about having a nice watch collection is that actually it can be an investment at times because a lot of the time, I, th- I think with a Rolex especially, after the you've had it for five, up. six, seven years, <laughs> the price goes up. They do actually, yeah, they are actually an investment. They don't really unless you break it, it's not going to lose any value. So from that kind of standpoint, it's quite fun, you know, if you think of it from an investment point of view. I do. Yeah. Uh, now
1: that that makes sense, having it for an investment, but if you've got a watch like that, you're going to want to wear it and once you start getting scratches on it you're really going to devalue it you're going to mess up the value a little
0: bit so this is the this is this is the thing and you get these you get these people and 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 like they'll buy like i don't know whatever it is like you know like a super beautiful jumper like a stone island jumper or like some true religion jeans and then they put them on and they just become a massive twat because they're like Get, get your get your tea away from me you, you can't yeah. eat food. You know, someone yeah. gets a new car. like, you you can't eat, you can't drink that in my car. I'm just like, mate, mm-hmm. like, why did you? You know, you basically bought something that's made you like paranoid. And, it uh, it, and it is, has.
1: Uh, it it almost right now. like with the jumper thing, it almost has less function. It's less functional than a cheaper alternative. So
0: yeah, I, I well, see what you're saying the, 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 the biggest trap with the jumper is, is when you buy a fucking nice one, and it's this beautiful white colour. And then you're like, yeah, I want to go on a night out. Fucking look good. And it's just like, then you going to have bits of dick, it. bits gonna of, white. of Yeah, yeah it's going to be fucking ruined by the morning, mate. So that's definitely not the right. Wrong... You know, go out, wear something quite nice, spill some drinks on it and not give a fuck. Or at least wear a black one.
1: I agree. I agree. While we're on the subject of clothes, though, I think I've showed you this photo before. I'll sort of superimpose it and it'll be a split screen on the podcast. And I'll stick it up after the episode. But did I ever show you the, uh, the beaver coat? up at my grandma's it's oh this, you did yeah uh, it's this beautiful coat it's um head it's kind of it goes down to your ankles head to ankles it's a long coat and it's made from 30 real beavers and it's from the I think it's from the 1920s and mate let me tell you that coat is gangster it's shiny like the fur I mean RIP the beavers but it's a it's a nice coat mate I must admit, yeah,
0: look like some sort of Russian mobster when you wear it. To be fair, like a nice, but yeah, I mean, there's no substitute for some natural materials in terms of like softness and like the way like it feels when you wear it for sure, like silk or like really nice wool, what's that, Kashmir or whatever. So nice. yeah,
1: cashmere, cashmere wool doesn't, isn't that a region in India, Kashmir? That's where the name comes
0: from yeah cashmere is a region in india i'm not sure where it comes from i'm not sure where the wool comes from i think it might be like no it's not alpaca i mean you can get wool from all sorts all sorts of animals these days i mean silk comes from an insect they have silk farms where it's what? like spider's webs
1: what silk is spider. Yeah. you're silk joking is like
0: spider's webs. no 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 and that's why it's so expensive
1: so the the silk thing is called sericulture or silk farming is the cultivation of silkworms to produce silk. Although there are several commercial species of silkworms, the caterpillar of the domestic silk moth is the most widely used, intensively studied silkworm. Silk was believed to have first been produced in China as early as the Neolithic period. Blah, 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 blah. Today, China and India are the two main producers with more of 60% of the world's annual production. So how, so, so what is the silk... Like, how does the worm produce the silk?
0: Yeah, what um, is so? Is it is is it the worm?
1: leap? Oh wow, well, that's the thing. I don't understand. Um, I can't find the answer here anyway. So basically, when these rich people have silk underwear, they're basically wearing like silkworm feces sort of stuff on them.
0: Silkworm spe- mucus, you know, because that is the ultimate facilitator of their movement so it would make sense that it would be the ultimate facilitator of your movement when you're wearing your silk panties
1: damn so what so these silkworms when they move they secrete it so they've just got lines of mini tread fields poking these silkworms along to produce the uh, to produce
0: the silk is it, is it I mean, it's a bit i'd love to learn more about it i could watch i could watch a half an hour documentary on self-production for sure it's i yeah. mean it's just it be, i mean I actually, like, I've I've slept on silk sheets and I didn't like it. It was just, I think I could have got used to it. It kind of, I can kind of compare it to, like, skinny dipping, you know? When you go swimming with no clothes on, you're like, I mm-hmm. think what would be really weird would be to wear silk pyjamas in silk sheets. You'd probably slide off the bed. Yeah, like
1: I, I, I don't think for sleeping the silk sheets is the best one. I think the uh, Egyptian cotton, you had the Egyptian cotton?
0: It's just mm. really cool. I cotton. also like for winter. I like brushed cotton because it's like got some sort of thermal capabilities as well. Like brushed cotton's like a little bit like you get a little bit of warmness from it, which is a, yeah, okay. bit of a game changer yeah, in those okay. expensive
1: times that we live in. Yeah, cost of living crisis. It's a bit savage, isn't it? I mean, there's not even, there's not even veg Have you seen the vegetable shortage at the minute?
0: No? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all like you can only buy one cauliflower at the moment. That's see what's in Spain, that's that, in Spain.
1: Yeah, see, uh, like th- this is. I was on the phone to my dad the other day, because um, they live in France, obviously, and he was saying that this uh, these problems in Spain—it's a load of rubbish. They live a hundred miles or fifty miles from the border of Spain, and there's no vegetable shortages at all in any of the French supermarkets, and they get quite a lot of their stuff from Spain. So he thinks it's more an issue of they just don't want to give us the vegetables. So maybe there is a bit of a shortage. But it's like, right, who do we prioritize? We don't mind the French. We'll give the Portuguese a bit. They're all right. But the English, now they're going to be the ones that miss out.
0: Yeah. I mean, that does make sense, doesn't it? It's business, it's profitability and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, a yeah. nightmare, mate.
1: Thanks, thanks, thank, thank God for Jeremy Clarkson uh, running that farm in the Cotswolds,
0: eh? See that nice little oh, transit? Man, he's going to be supporting thousands. Yeah, I have enjoyed Clarkson's Farm. It has been really, really good. I mean, the funny thing for me is how the people that oppose, like, it wouldn't be half as good of a show without the opposition that he gets for starting, like, the restaurant on his farm. And the funny thing is, is, like, some of the most entertaining scenes from Clarkson's Farm that make it so good is him battling the opposition and all the stuff that the council's doing and all the lawyers that people are employing. And so, basically, they've had exactly the opposite effect of what they wanted to do. Basically, they've made great TV. Yeah, they've uh, made made it even more popular. Which is quite funny. Yeah, it's it's
1: very much had the adverse effect. For people listening that don't know, like Jeremy Clarkson, the the tall, loud guy that used to present Top Gear. So, he started running this farm, and he's doing an Amazon documentary. And uh, to have his farm shop to open it, he kept posting on uh, Twitter... About it now, he's got over seven million followers. So inevitably, quite a few people are going to see that and attracted to it. So that so they just started having huge queues up to the farm shop. And of course, because the Cotswolds, it's a uh, was it an area of outstanding natural beauty. So there's some serious issues. And yeah, he he wanted to diversify, didn't he? away from farming
0: yeah he's we- done a lot of ecological farming he he's, he's very diverse but it's not like he's just planting fields of wheat and and chucking down lo- i mean he, he is using a lot of nitrates but um mm. he's he's at least attempting to create something that's good for the environment but it's that balance isn't it Be- because you know the environment's a big issue but also rural economy is a big issue and it's that juggling act of you know what's best for the entire population i guess it's uh, it's a tough one it is, it is a tricky one because the, the farmers are getting subsidies at the minute. So this
1: guy's got a thousand acre farm and he gets about eighty two eighty thousand 80,000 pounds worth of subsidies from the government. Now, in the next few years, those subsidies are going and there's going to be a lot less farmers. And surely is that not going to just push the price of food up even more once the government stops supporting farmers?
0: Mm, I think we'd have to look into what percentage of. Uh, our food actually comes from UK farms and and, and I think it's actually a, a small percent and when you think about um, how much land cover in the UK is allocated to farming in England about 70%. Yeah, yeah exactly 71%. and then you think about the percentage of people employed in farming I think it's like one percent of the population so You know, I do start to ask, you know, is this the best use of our land, especially when they're getting no money and they're relying on basically the taxpayers to to prop them up? You know, I know we've got to produce our own food and be a resilient country, but at the same time, like, wouldn't it be amazing to have just the most beautiful, natural, wild country and then just, you know, make more money from tourism and, and, you know, generally make people happier and then just, you know, import a little bit more food? Is that, Uh you know, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I've got it here. I'll tell you what www.grownintheuk.co.uk thinks. They think that the UK grows 61% of of the food it eats. So we're importing around roughly 40% of our food we're currently importing at the minute. So yeah, we're already importing almost half of it. And like you said, it takes up a huge amount of land in the UK. But... I, d- I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing to be more dependent on external food sources like considering we're an island as well so so that's kind of yeah exactly
0: and like you know and all the geopolitical problems in the world at the moment it just seems like it's very unstable you know we can't really risk having just like food prices absolutely soaring and big shortages and stuff like that i don't know having said that that, that you know there could be a bit What what about this what about working out i mean obviously it's it's their own prerogative what they do with their products but i'm pretty sure we make we we farm a lot of products that we then ship to other countries um you know either repurpose them so that they're feeding us or shut them down and have you know all the natural benefits that we could from having the most beautiful country possible because when you think about you know the benefits of, of of having all of that nature versus the benefits of a small amount of profit for a farm who's, you know, who's heavily propped up by subsidies anyway, you know, I know what I would do.
1: Okay, they've had a drastic reshuffle of the UK government. Thomas, you've been made uh, agricultural minister, what would you
0: do? I- I'm assuming expansion of greenbelt and foresty areas then, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, the UK is like, has less forest cover than any country in the whole of Europe. So I would be, what I would do is I would... Is that look true? At, is that true? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you can check okay. it, but I'm, I'm 90% sure that it's true. And um, what I would do is I would look at what the land use of the UK was like before World War Two, because World War Two was the big one when we had huge timber and wood huge timber shortages and huge food shortages and so a lot of natural forests and all of our like wildflower meadows and uh, loads of our natural environments were just plowed up and planted with like single species woodland and farms and you know obviously at the time we needed it but now i think it's i think it's a bit too much so i would look at areas that have the potential for restoration see how profitable they are and and make some changes uh like that to restore you know what we've lost because there's this thing called shifting baseline syndrome where um every new generation of 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 us we see the amount of nature when we're a child and we go oh well, that's normal that's the normal amount of nature and so maybe throughout our lifetime it decreases by about 30 percent okay and we go oh that's I, not I, very good I and see, then our yeah. children go well, no, it was normal. Like this is what was normal for me, and so actually, people don't think it's as bad as it actually is. If you take a longer perspective look, you know, we're probably massively depleted on what we on what we have. You know, what one person would assume.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Because what was the uh, what was the stat that was in Clarkson's farm? We've lost a hundred is one hundred forty thousand miles worth of hedgerow since mm. World War Two for the very reasons you've just explained. Like for example, the uh, the mosquito bomber, the fighter plane that we were producing then, it was predominantly wooden. And I presume that's where sort of a lot of the wood came from was things like that. Like if you ever, I'm sure you've driven up through Scotland and if you've been to, when you've seen, you think it's a forest and then you look across and you can see all the way down the, these rows of trees because they've all been perfectly yeah. lined because they've all been just been planted.
0: Um, yeah, it's and yeah, and then you stand in the middle really. of the forest, and there's literally nothing. But there's no life there apart from moss and trees. You know, it's a really sort of dead environment, um, dead single species environment, no diversity. So it's that it's is, really bad. And another reason, another like reason that we've lost all of our hedgerows is just by the expansion of um farmyard machinery. So, you know, in the olden days, you'd have a small plot with a hedge around it. So all the little birds and bees could live in it. And you would farm that small area. Now it's the fields are about 10 times the size. So they've knocked out all of the hedgerows in the middle. And then they go around with the massive combines, which was obviously way more efficient. But it's it's cost us, you know, a lot of biodiversity through that hedgerows, which is like the little bit that nature had. This is like gone.
1: Mm. Just to clarify, I mean, you actually
0: studied this, right? You did a master's in horticulture. I did a master's in ethnobotany. And then I did a horticulture degree before that. So it's, yeah, I have, I have, I've got more. I've I've spent more time looking at it than the average than the average this, person. Yeah. Has, has this is do. this is
1: in your wheelhouse. You're not just talking smack. You, you know what you're talking about with these
0: subjects. Well, I'd love to, I'd love to say I'm this knowledgeable about every topic, but uh, that just isn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think one of the solutions is then, apart from
1: sort of repossessing land? Surely one of the solutions is encouraging farmers to go for this, uh, get away from the the monocrop culture the mono crop culture
0: and towards what's it called the, the mixed one yeah yeah having that like having mixed yeah having having a mixed farm is having the best farm because it's because it's super diverse um and yeah apart from re, apart from changing land use uh having more diversity so you can have a woodland with three species i mean that's not you know and you can also manage the planting times so that you get stru- you know structural diversity within the woodland as well. You don't need to just plant the same species, boom, 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 like that. And I think the government should be offering subsidies, and that's what they said. The government have said very vaguely that they're going to offer rewards for benefits to the people, and that is a benefit to the people. You know, to have to have better, you know sequestering carbon yada 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 better biodiversity is good for all of us and um mm. yeah hopefully the government i mean this is the thing is like is a very difficult thing um but also it's a clean slate for a lot of industries because we can rewrite the rules just and yeah. critical, while they have the chance that they make the positive changes that that the eu was failing on um uh, and that's one of the things that they can definitely do better
1: okay now that's interesting that is interesting. Um, well, you've watched the uh Kiss the Earth documentary, right? I have, I have, I have. I watched it with my family recently, and they're basically explaining like a lot of farmers think that instead of having the monocrop culture, when you grow all sorts of different plants, because what it's doing is it's it's much better for the quality of the soil, right? The soil's retaining its biomass.
0: Organic matter, yeah.
1: Organic matter in the soil. But the, the problem the problem I had with the documentary though. Is that they do these monocrops to feed the agriculture, uh, the the beef, the beef industry, and yeah, to raise the uh, cattle and stuff. That's so. So the demand isn't necessarily there to completely
0: change away from that style of farming, is it? No, I mean you could still you can still grow. I mean, if the government subsidised like agriculture that was good for the uh good for the people and good for nature they could still they could still turn a profit definitely i mean the problem is is like plowing basically so the the soil is held together by basically biological organisms otherwise it's just sand it's just dust it's all that organic goo that holds all the soil together and and there's all fungi and stuff running through the soil if you plow the soil you break up all that structure the soil just becomes sand becomes nothing and then what happens is if you plow in winter you've got bare soil which is not good at all because the roots bind the soil mm-hmm. you see the wind you said when the rain comes you can look in a stream in england and the stream will be brown, brown. because of the yeah. amount of soil that's being washed into the water it's and along soda. with that well along with that soil will be all the chemical fertilizers so we're losing all the soil from our land it's washing off so we can't grow crops anymore really you know it gets worse and worse you've then got to put more fertilizers on to compensate And all these fertilisers go into the rivers and kill all the fish. And that's why we've got the worst water quality of any country in Europe, because all of our agricultural crap, for lack of a better word, is being washed into it. So if you don't plough your fields and you choose more organic methods, there are, you know, like uh, there's there's things in the soil. There's like glomalin, which is a glycoprotein I remember writing about once that um, that basically move the soil together. So you get you get a huge amount of heavy rain, the -hmm. soil stays where it is, you know, and the other thing about having a good organic matter um, content in the soil is that it's like a sponge, it holds water. And like, in the last five years, we have ridiculous rain, and then we don't have any rain for four months. And in these times is actually when you need the soil yeah, to have the best water the retention capacity as possible. And so that's another benefit of having a more organic method over having a method where, you know, you just don't have that same resilience. But basically, it's a big gamble when you use chemicals, as well as all of the other downsides, you know, because, you know, the... Everything's got to go perfect but when it does go perfect you just get the most ridiculous harvest sizes and then everyone's happy but um, yeah. yeah we've got to find other solutions.
1: well I was reading let me just grab it here. so I'm sure you've heard the phrase about you know the UK's only got a hundred harvests left so a hundred years that the top soils got left but mm. so that that was basically came that came from a study uh, from Sheffield University. But this is ourworlddata.org website, which is uh, pretty certified, and they were basically saying that that the the uh, the stats were very misleading. It didn't actually come from the study uh, directly at all, and yeah, it's it's basically an inaccurate uh, headline because the uh, Michael Gove said that the UK is thirty to forty years away from uh, eradicating soil fertility as well. I mean, however, it is still an issue, but. They think it's not as big an issue as that. But what they do think is this sort of uh, international uh, study. What's it called when they have a multitude of different studies all together? And then they study or those. A yeah, they did a meta-analysis. And they think that one third of the bear, of bare soil has a less than 100 year lifespan in the world so yeah so it doesn't say anything specifically about the uk but it's not so basically it's not as bad as we thought. the topsoil erosion but it is still definitely a problem yeah yeah
0: i mean that's what that's what happens when you try and turn a a study in a complex study into a headline is inevitably you can't capture everything that the study's saying in one tiktok style line and so yeah, it's it's got, it's got a big holes in it I mean, I remember when when that study came out, my mum telling me, oh, my God, we've got 100 years left. And then, you know, probably humanity's over. And I remember going, it's that's not going to be the case. That's not going to be the case. But like, you know, that shouldn't. Although I don't agree with that, it's still, you know, a a very serious, a very serious issue. I mean, just like less and less of the UK will become viable to farm on. Farm. You know, that's yeah. what's going to happen. You know the fringe areas are going to become so so unproductive that it's not even worth it anymore, and that will just you know continue and continue and continue. So it's um, yeah, it's an issue that's got to be tackled.
1: Can't wait! Got some exciting times ahead, haven't we? Paying ten pound for a loaf of bread in the year twenty forty, or (laughs) whatnot?
0: Probably will. Probably will. Well, one thing one thing that we can do to help, and I'm super excited about this, is. Um, you know, especially if you live in an urban area, I know you don't at the moment, but possibly very soon. But now, if, instead of, I mean, like, I mean, I, I use, I get all public transport for free, so I use public transport a lot. And that's obviously like got the tiniest carbon footprint, like a, 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 an inner city train that runs on tracks is like really good. And, uh-huh. um, and so are the buses as well. But uh, what I'm doing now is I'm getting an electric bicycle, my <laughs> first ever electric bicycle. <laughs> Yeah, and they are the future
1: they are literally the future enough. of they're our a lot of yeah i think they are but i mean the electric scooters which are in a lot of the uk cities, i think they're quite good apart from the cobalt mines in africa that where the batteries come from but the problem i have with the electric scooters is that they're at such an awkward pace they're at like sort of 10 12 miles an hour so if good you're riding if, if you're ri- if you're riding one Pass somebody like it's so awkward. I just feel like you feel like a bit of a prat. Do you not know think?
0: Mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I I, I looked at something. Yes,
1: conscious of them.
0: I I mean, you probably lose that over time. But like the I looked at something yesterday. I looked at like a sort of study that was done to see um, what were the sort of leading deterrents of people getting uh, an electric bike. Um, you know, what, what what was the biggest reason that you don't want one? Uh, the first reason which we can't do anything Price. about is like weather because you can't use it. We're like people don't want to use it when it's raining or when it's cold, uh, which is fair enough. And I think the second the second the highest one that 40% of people said is dangerous because there's no infrastructure for it in cities. So I think if, you know, if we ta- if cities tackle that and make themselves really bike friendly, I mean, so, like, it is pretty crazy. I mean, in London, it's a bike-friendly city. Would you would you say that? Would is it? Uh,
1: Sort of. For the UK, it's a bike-friendly city. But, you know, I was recently in Amsterdam and Rotterdam, and I'd say London is about four out of ten, if, and they're sort of eight out of tens for bike-friendliness. A
0: yeah, 100%. But, uh, and like, uh, London could be improved massively.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's dangerous. Like, I would never cycle in London. For me, it's dangerous. Remember, we looked up the stats before. You know, it's it, it is a sizable risk.
0: I yeah, would try I mean, th- but the, yeah, but if they if they improved infrastructure, it would be so much better. So to give an example, it, I've looked yeah. at, I've looked at my com- my commute on Google Maps, and like mm-hmm. I live in London, I live in like West London in Shepherd's Bush, and then I travel to like, sort fun. of Brixton, I, and then I go to the sort of Brixton Peckham area. So it's like eight miles across central London. So you go through Hyde Park, uh, and then you keep going and like Google breaks it down as to what kind of roads you're traveling on the whole way. Okay, guess what percentage of cycle paths I am traveling on bearing in mind, I'm going across central London. And central I'm basically London. in central London the whole time. Ooh, guess. 25. 20.
1: Not bad. That wasn't a bad guess, yeah.
0: That was a great I guess. Did... It's a great guess, but, but full, it, like, I was expecting 4% of, of London, like that's rubbish. 80. You know, we're meant oh. to have cycle lanes in London. I'm going across central London. You I, know, agree. And, I agree. And, and I'm only on cycle lanes 20% of the time like it's pretty and, poor and here's another thing that comes obviously
1: it's, it's better for the environment for like carbon emissions but air quality now if you're in this, any city like Berlin for example you know they've got these big four lane roads going right through the centre of the town and the air quality is noisy for a start and the air quality is terrible the air quality in London's rubbish as well in the centre so it does make me laugh you've got all these sort of 10 15 million pound houses and then you walk outside of it and get lung cancer because the air is just terrible so that's Mm. another the cycling will reduce uh will help is the air quality because it it is properly bad in london in all our cities actually bristol is
0: the air quality is bad as well so yeah yeah, definitely i I mean it takes yeah it's i mean it takes so many people off the roads i mean it's already better with it like electric i mean i mean electric bikes massively outsell electric cars each year and the size of an electric bike battery is something like three hundred times smaller than an electric car battery, so yeah, like, they're way, like they're way better for the environment. And like people, you know, you can travel, you can travel far on them. So like you know, I think they're like easy. if government did support it properly and get behind it, then like I genuinely think it would be you know a really good solution. Revolution. It's, like, it's great for public health as well.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well my, my dad's got one my mum has got one as well but like the, the off-road ones and where they live there's there's it's not a mountain but it's not really a hill either it's sort of in between we, we went up there in the summer didn't we you've seen it so i can yeah, cycle. Yeah. remember where we took the car up to and then where we turned around mm-hmm. up the up the up the logging track i can cycle up to the top of that in like 25 minutes and it's not actually that tiring whereas if you're doing that amazing. It would take like an hour to an hour and a half, so you can properly fly along on these electric bikes. There is a serious benefit. You just got to watch out for buses, like you know, there's buses are dangerous. Yeah, it's,
0: yeah, it's great At for public, public house. House. get hit by a bus, and then it's not so good for public health. Yeah, not good for your health, like. Oh, uh, so yeah, I mean, like, go on with the
1: with the lorries. So a lot, like the, a lot of the cyclists that get killed in London get killed by the lorries because of the way the cabs are set up so high they have these huge blind spots like sort of four or five feet down at the height of cyclists right next to them they just can't see you so that, that's the problem really yeah
0: uh, i i, mean, I know I de- yeah I've, I've experienced that firsthand a couple of weeks ago i'll tell a little gory story from from work um mm-hmm. basically a lorry driver like without knowing uh plowed into a cyclist and they died and the lorry driver kept driving for about half a mile to a mile before someone screamed at them you've basically got a dead person like crunched into the front of your lorry he got out <laughs> the lorry he had a look at the person and then he had a heart attack and he died as well you're joking no i'm not joking
1: When oh my word he, he had a heart attack and died and this yeah the of the shark what a terrible, what a terrible story! I know. I, mean, I
0: probably shouldn't have said, but uh, <laughs> had you, know, you can edit that out if you want to. Oh, God. <laughs> now that's staying in. You could, um, you could put that in the I, X-rated
1: edition if you want. You can release on, like a longer edit. <laughs> on that, on that cheery, on that cheery note, I think it uh, brings us to the end of the podcast. I think we've only got a <laughs> few minutes left on the uh, on the Zoom. Anything yeah, else? You want to say?
0: Uh, anything else I want to say? Um... Uh... No, not really. No, it's been nice to talk about the environment and go back to my, my roots of my, of my degree. So thanks for allowing me to talk about that, Get in the, no. get in the old farming chat. But well, uh, no, back- apart from that, mate, live well. You know, actually, I'll, I'll end with a stoic quote. I'm a big fan of stoic philosophy. Good. You know, you no, an you've an got, got me into it as well.
1: Yeah, you've got me into it as well. So no, I want to hear it. And Let me see if I can find the stoic quote I found the other day as well.
0: Mate, so good. So the stoic one that I found this morning is this, and it made me get up and put my washing on the line, which is, you know, every little helps. Um Putting things, and this was by Seneca, putting things off is the biggest waste of life. It snatches away each day as it comes and denies us the present by promising the future. The greatest obstacle to living is expectancy, which hangs upon tomorrow and loses today. So... Wow! But don't sit around waiting for stuff to happen and and you know expecting things to happen and go out there and get it. Just crack okay. on and everything will yeah. happen.
1: All right. Well, this is I've got a uh, the Daily Stoic I follow on
0: Twitter. There is a limit follow, to well, the... the Daily Stoic. It's not going to be the same one, so I follow the Daily Stoic.
1: Thanks, thanks for interrupting me. My quote: um, There is a limit to the time assigned to you, and if you don't use it to free yourself, it will be gone and never returned.
0: There we go. So a bit, more, a bit more, heavy hitting from you. Basically, you're going to I, die soon. You better get on with things.
1: Live every day like it's your last. That old cliche. And actually,
0: um, okay, that was a huge pause. I'll cut that pause out.
1: And actually, well, so I don't,
0: actually, I don't, I don't like live every day as if it's your last. Like I heard, it was another. No, i not quite quote. that. Because you just spend all your good. money, wouldn't you? Well, I know I would. Well, Exactly. So, so like i mean yeah but within boundaries like live i don't really yeah it's not the best thing but live every day as if it's a separate life so when you wake up in the morning you go right this this day is my life what am i going to do to maximize it that's it's kind of i don't know that kind of works for me it kind of doesn't live every day like a separate life
1: that's interesting yeah that's quite good like i kind of like that within reason to just kind of fresh open-minded you know
0: you could pick it apart if you want to, but it's just like, you know, when you wake up and you're like, oh, man like Wednesday's not going to be a great day today, but by the time I get like Friday's going to be a good one or something like that. Like, no, don't have that attitude. Just be like, when Wednesday is my life, Wednesday is my whole life. I'm literally living Wednesday. Oh, living yeah, in, in the present, living in the
1: present, living in the presence. Because they say, uh, depression's thinking about the past too much, anxiety is thinking about the future too much.
0: Yeah, exactly. Live in the present, baby. Right, on that note, we we'll are the present and you won't get hit by a bus when you're on your bicycle. So, just you know, for coming on the podcast. Day. Right, mm. see, you later. see you later. Thank post. you. Right. The Many Things Podcast.